Well, good morning. So glad that you can be with us and join me as we open God's word uh, this morning. We're going to continue in our series in the book of Matthew. And as we are walking through the book of Matthew, we're seeing in this section, chapters 10 through 12, about how uh, people are responding to Jesus now and his ministry. So how do, how do people in the Bible respond to Jesus? And the question becomes, how do we respond uh, to Jesus and so today we're going to be digging into Matthew chapter 12. And what we're going to see is his interaction with a group of people called the Pharisees. And now the Pharisees were, they were uh, religiously elite. Uh, they had a lot of religious power. They also had a lot of political sway. And they were a group of men who studied the Bible and were calling people to uh, follow after God. Which is, which is a good thing, but on the other side, their religious zeal and their zeal to be so correct and so precise, actually, uh, it, it, came, it became a part of pride. It became a part of, uh, that really became harmful and destructive and very burdensome to people. And so in their zeal for doing good and their zeal for being exactly, precisely correct, they thought that they were going to earn the favor of God. They thought that if I was just, if I did everything perfectly, then God would would love me, then God would love us. And so when they were able to achieve it, they got, or by their own standards, they, they became very self-righteous and very uh, condescending to other people because other people weren't living up to the standard that they had set forth, which wasn't even the biblical standard of what God has for his people. And so the big idea today is this, that if you're trying to earn God's favor, you'll miss him completely. Let me say that again. If you try to earn God's favor, you're going to miss him completely. Now, what do I mean by that? I, do, do I mean that we shouldn't follow God's commands? Well, absolutely not. That doesn't mean at all that we should, that we should disregard the commands of God. In fact, God gives us his commands to lead us into greater joy. And, and the, the commands of God really reflect the character of God, that he does, he's not around sin. He doesn't want to be. He, he, he walks with us in these places, and he meets us where we're at. But then he says, now, if you want to continue to follow me, this is where I'm going. I'm going to bring healing. I'm going to bring uh, mercy. I'm going to bring generosity. I'm going to bring uh, all these things to bear in the world. So if you want to be where I'm at, these are the things that we do. But it's not about earning our place with God, because when we try to earn our place with God and say that, then we start to measure it and compare by our own selves. Like that's what we, we compare ourselves to other people. Or we say, this is a standard where I think I can get close to God. And if I, if I meet this standard, then I'm good. And if other people can't, then they're worthless. It leads to a self-righteousness. And that's not what God is after. He's not after self-righteousness. In fact, it says that God is opposed to the proud. That means that when we're self-righteous, we actually stand in the face of God. But Jesus has something more for us. He has something better for us than self-righteousness. He's got a holiness that comes from being a follower of him and given to us by him. And today we're going to see how he interacts with these Pharisees, these, these group of people that, that had become self-righteous because of the rules that they had put around God's rules. 
And so today we're going to see an interaction with the Pharisees and with Jesus. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 12, and we'll be starting in verse 1. And right away we're going to see that there's a problem here. And we're going to see right away what the problem is. Matthew 12, verses 1 and 2. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain to eat. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. Now, I don't know if you are familiar with a Sabbath, but, but a Sabbath is one day a week, and in the Jewish calendar it was Saturday, and it is the one day a week that you set aside for rest and for delight in the Lord. So it's a day of worship, it's a day of rest, it's a day of rejuvenation, um, and it is this beautiful picture of what we have. Now, Jesus is walking with his disciples on the Sabbath, and they start to pick heads of grain, and they start to eat them. And I want, I want to un help you understand the Pharisees here for a second, because back in the Old Testament, God institutes the Sabbath. And during that, uh, the, the Israelites had totally disregarded the Sabbath. And that was actually one of the reasons that, uh, one of the many, but one of the reasons why God just uh, let people come in, destroy the temple, and take the people off into exile. Uh, the nation of Israel was laid waste because of their idolatry, because of their greed, because of their malice. And one of the reasons is because they neglected the Sabbath. They wouldn't rest. They wouldn't, they wouldn't worship God. They wouldn't connect with him. They ignored him and, and used it for greed and personal gain. And so the Pharisees, in a way to try to protect the people from, and themselves from ever going into exile ever again, because they were afraid of that, what they did is they started to put rules and regulations around the Sabbath. So they're like, well, well, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Well, what does it mean to Sabbath? Does it mean to, how many steps can you take before it becomes work? What, what constitutes as work? And they start really, really, really getting down into the nitty gritty into going. And they came up with these, this code around Sabbath. And, as, and the disciples were breaking their rules, the pharisaical rules. Not God's commands, but the pharisaical rules. You see, they were walking through and they were picking heads of grain. Now, that might seem weird to us nowadays, but it was common practice and actually even commanded by God that, they were to, that farmers were to leave certain parts of their field open and that people could come through and eat as they were going along the way. It's one of the ways that he, they, they fed orphans and widows and people who were hungry. It was about being generous. And so it wasn't the fact that they were taking grain from a field that was against the rules or breaking the law, as they said. Um, it was the, the, the very act of picking. You see, the Pharisees had determined that picking grain is like harvest, and harvest is work. And then when you take those, those grains, you, you would rub them together, so you'd rub the husk off so you could eat the seed. Well, the rubbing together is a lot like threshing, and threshing is work. And then after the, 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 the uh, husk was pulled off, you would blow off the chaff, you would, you know, and the, the chaff would blow away, and what you left was with the kernel. Well, well blowing the chaff away is like, uh, is like winnowing, and winnowing is work. And so what they're saying is, is your disciples who are picking grain, doing this and doing this, and then putting food in their mouth, they're working. And, and they're like, they're breaking the law. They're, they're, they're working on this day. We're not supposed to work on this day. 
And what they had gotten right was that they wanted to honor the Sabbath. What they got wrong is that they thought that they could improve on God's commands. And they thought that they, they could turn their guidelines into rules, into laws, into control, into self-righteousness, into pride. That's where they went wrong. They said, we're going to add to the laws of God, and by doing so, everybody has to do these exact things. And because they do these things, that means everybody has to do these things. And maybe you know, maybe you even have things like this in your own life. Maybe you have things that are, are practices that you have put in place to remind you of good things. But they're not laws. They're not commands. They're certainly not on par with what God says. I know some people who choose not to see movies. I know some people who choose not to participate in certain activities. I know for me, one of the things that I do, and this is just me, and this is just as an example, is on my Bible, I don't put anything on top of my Bible. And that's just a reminder for me that nothing is above the Lord. So I don't put pieces of paper on top of my Bible. Is that the law? No, it's not. But it's something that I do to remind myself. Now, if I was to take that and use that on other people, that's where we start getting into this really weird spot of self-righteousness. And the Pharisees might have had a really good idea by saying, hey, you know what, let's, let's make sure we take it easy. But now they're enforcing all these different rules on people that God never commanded. They've surrounded the Sabbath with their own rules and are expecting other people to abide by them. So how does Jesus respond to this? How is Jesus going to answer them? And we have his response in verses 3 through 5. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the bread of presence, which is not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who are with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read that the law, in the law, how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath, and are guiltless? Jesus' response is really interesting. He, he takes these certain things and he, he makes the Pharisees really uncomfortable in this moment. He, he starts to expand the horizon and poke at them just a little bit. Because they're like, they're not doing what's lawful. Can you imagine just, like, just people walking around going, nope, 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 on a Sabbath day? And here they are, and, and Jesus and his disciples are like, I'm just hungry just want something to eat. And that's where, that's where Jesus starts in his response. He goes, well, what about David? This is the, the most prominent, revered king in Israelite history. What about David, the man after God's own heart, David? In, in 1 Samuel 21 in the Old Testament, we see that while David was running from, from King Saul who wanted to kill him, Saul had fallen into sin and David was leaving and getting away from him because Saul wanted him dead because he was the, the God's chosen for the next king of Israel. And as he's leaving, he, he stops by and, and the priest gives him the bread of presence. This is, this is bread that was supposed to be uh, set up as a remembrance of God's provision. And then when that bread, that bread was to be eaten and consumed by the priest and by the priests only. And here, David, he's not a priest, his men, not priests. 
And yet they were hungry and they were in this spot and they ate the bread of presence that was meant only for the priests. And Jesus says, and yeah, by the way, while we're talking about priests, let's talk about the priests on the Sabbath. The priests were these people, that were, these men were dedicated, designated by God to carry out the rules and the regulations and the, and the, 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 the uh, help for people during the Sabbath. They had to work every Saturday. They had to work every Sabbath. And yet they were not guilty of violating the Sabbath. Why? Because it was their job to facilitate worship. It was their job to help people connect with the living God. It was their job to help by offering the sacrifices and, and saying the prayers and leading the people. And they're like, listen, hey, he gets to work on Sabbath. And yet he's not, he's not breaking the Sabbath by doing the Lord's work as a priest. Jesus just kind of looks at him and goes, well, how do you explain that then? How do you explain the fact that, that the priests are violating the Sabbath? How do you explain the fact that, that David did this and yet God didn't strike him dead in that moment? Like, why, why, did they, why were they able to do this? The commands of God are good. The commands of God lead to life. Because the commands of God lead to Jesus. They show the heart of God. Now, we can't follow the rules. We can't follow all the commands. So we don't get life from following the rules. We get life by understanding that we are faulty and broken and weak. But Jesus is good. We get life from God who gives us his life. And the commands, these beautiful commands that God has put into place saying, this is how things should be playing out. You should be resting. You should be taking time for Sabbath. You should be generous. You should be kind. You should be uh, welcoming in to, 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 to different people. You should be loving your wife well. You should be loving your kids well. But the reality is, is even if we could do all that perfectly, we can't. And so it's not about earning favor from God by following the rules. It's about walking with Jesus after we've given our lives to him. How is this allowed to happen? How is David allowed to do that? And how, is, how are the priests allowed to do that? Simple. The Lord is merciful. And he's actually way more merciful than us. And he's way more kind than us. The Pharisees had added so much to the law of God that they missed Jesus. And Jesus is the point. All the Old Testament scriptures point to Jesus. All the New Testament scriptures reflect upon Jesus. And in the, in the crux of it all, we have the stories of Jesus. We have the life of Jesus here on earth. That he's God in the flesh. And they missed him. They missed him in this moment. 
He would even go on and, and explain to them what the point of all of this is, verses six through eight. I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. The Pharisees were getting after the disciples for breaking the law by picking grain on the Sabbath. Not reaping, not harvesting, not doing work, but just like they were hungry. Jesus' response is, God is merciful. And it's really interesting. And in, in this, he says, he says a couple of, of really, really, really profound and bold things. He says, something greater than the temple is here, which means Jesus is greater than the temple. That, that God desires mercy and not sacrifice. Talking about his, uh, that he determines the correct posture of the heart. And he says, the son of man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Which shows that he has authority. Let's kind of break that down a little bit. Jesus says, uh, something greater than the temple is here. Something greater than the temple is here. Jesus would refer to the temple a lot because um, originally Solomon, King Solomon would build the temple as a meeting place with the Lord. Even before that, they had a tentative meeting called the tabernacle. And there was this physical structure that was to go with the Israelites to show that this God was with his people. And when, and when uh, the destruction happened and the people were hauled off in exile, they destroyed the temple. And they had lost the land. But they didn't lose the Lord. But the, the, the temple, the symbol of the temple was that God would meet with his people. And the temple was a place where people would go and meet with God. The temple was a place where sacrifice was made and, and sin was atoned for. The temple was, was the place of worship. And Jesus says, something greater than the temple is here. Well, what, what could be greater than the temple, the meeting place with God, than God himself? Jesus is like, ah. Right? It's that something greater than the temple is here, which means God is here. God is with them. Something the meeting place, the temple was the meeting place with God. Jesus is God. The temple was the place where sacrifices were made and sin was atoned for. Jesus is the better sacrifice. He would give his life as a sacrifice for us, and he would atone for our sin by giving his life in exchange for ours. That Jesus lived the life that we could not live. That he died the death that we deserve. And that he would raise from the dead to give new life to all who would put their trust in him. That's still true today. The reason why we don't go to the temple is because Jesus came. Jesus was with us. The temple was a symbol of the Lord being with his people. Jesus is the Lord who is with his people. 
In fact, one of the things that, uh, one of the names that Jesus is given is the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Think about that for a second, how amazing that is that God would come and be with us. And while he's with us, he says something really profound. He says, you need to understand what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. This is the second time that Jesus would say this. And he's quoting one of the Psalms. And he would say, he would say, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Meaning the thing that God desires and the thing that God is impressed with when we do things is when we're merciful with people. When we extend mercy. That's what God desires. He wants the church to be a merciful people. A merciful people. To extend mercy to one another. And when the church does it, it changes the world. not coming up with our own rules around God's commands, but to be merciful. And he would establish authority, he said, because the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. The Son of Man, we've talked about this before. This is, this is what uh, Jesus is, is commonly refers to himself. When he's talking about the Son of Man, he's referring to himself. He says the son of man. He repeatedly calls himself the son of man because back in the book of Daniel, there was a prophecy. And he said, there's going to come a day when when God will send his messenger and and God will send his anointed and it will be, he will come down and he will look as a son of man. Meaning he will have a, a, a human appearance and shape and form. Jesus looked like a regular guy. But he did incredible things because he was both fully God and fully man. And so when he says son of man repeatedly, he's trying to get, the, he's trying to get people to understand the son of man. Like Daniel's prophecy is happening. And he says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. That's a huge statement. That's a huge statement. He's like, yeah, the Sabbath, I own it. Right? I invented it. I know what it's for. (laughs) I, I know how this thing works. I'm Lord over the Sabbath. I am above the Sabbath. And the one who is Lord is the one who determines its proper application. The one who is the Lord over it is the one who determines the proper application. The disciples are literally walking with God on earth in the flesh and enjoying a snack. And the people who studied the Bible, who read all about Jesus, missed Jesus because of their own self-righteousness. God in the flesh, in their midst, and they were mad at him because he didn't do it the right way in the way that they wanted him to. Blows the mind. 
But in trying to earn God's favor, right? In trying to impress God and trying to show him how great and marvelous and wonderful and what a good person we are and trying to prove to God what we are. If you're trying to earn God's favor, you'll miss him completely. You'll miss him because you're too busy trying to tell everybody how awesome you are. And when you're trying to tell everybody else how awesome you are, you don't have your eyes on Jesus. And so I have some questions for reflection today. Some things to, to ponder and think about as you watch this video. Number one, are there any self-made practices that are holding me in bondage? Are there any promises that you have made to yourself that now keep you from enjoying the Lord or growing up or maturing and learning and growing or keeping you walking with him? Are there any self-practices or any promises that you have made yourself to yourself that is now actually holding you back and hindering you from living the life that Christ wants you to live free and full of the fruit of the Spirit? I want you to ask yourself that question and reflect on that today. Maybe even write it down and bring those to the Lord and say, would you set me free from this? Question two, what rules do I make to make myself look better than those around me? What rules do I make and what rules do I have that I follow to make myself look better than those around me? If you have any of those, then you need to repent. Then you need to repent. You need to turn away from that. You need to ask for forgiveness from that, saying, Lord, I have set these things up so that I could look better than other people. And that's not what I want to do. I confess my sin and I turn away from that. I want to live a life following you. So if the first question causes you to reflect, then the second one causes you to repent. And question number three, what can I do today to enjoy time with the Lord by myself or with others? What can I do today to enjoy the Lord? To enjoy the Lord. What can I do that would be an enjoyment with the Lord, either by myself or with other people that we can collectively enjoy the Lord together? There's lots of things out there. There's lots of there's lots of opportunity to just rest in the Lord. So if the first question causes us to reflect, are there any things that are there any practices or promises that I've made that are holding me back? Reflect on that. If there's any rules or regulations that you've set up by yourself to make yourself look better than other people, repent of that. And if there's anything that we can do to enjoy the Lord today, let us rest in that. So reflect, repent, rest. Just rest in the goodness of the Lord, understanding that he's forgiven us, that he's merciful, and even the things that we've just repented for, he's kind, 
And his cross covers that. His cross will cover it. But we got to come to him. We got to come to him. Let him let Jesus heal you of that. And then rest. Rest in his goodness. Rest in his thank in his graciousness. Rest in his creativity. Rest in his joy. Rest in his love. That was the whole point of the Sabbath, was to rest in the goodness of the Lord. I pray that you find rest for your heart, rest for your mind, rest for your body, and rest for your soul in the work of Jesus that you have nothing to prove and you can just enjoy him today. Let's pray. God, I thank you for today. I thank you for this opportunity to share the good news of Jesus. God, that we can open the word and that, God, your spirit and your word are not bound. So, Lord, change us, transform us, and help us live in a way that we can be reflective, that we can repent without fear of being cast away, and that we can rest in your goodness. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.